Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, and it is Sunday evening. I just got back from Milwaukee. I was visiting my parents and uh, my godmother's birthday, actually. They were ha- they had her over for her birthday, and we had a nice dinner, and got to see my sister and my nephew, and you know, I had a long drive. I guess, I mean, it's not that long. It's about two hours drive back, and I've had a lot of things on my mind the last couple of days. There's been this clip going around. You've probably seen it. It's gone viral. And it's um, our favorite former bartender turned congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, once again putting her massive brain on display, talking about bootstrapping. Okay, This idea of people pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, and, I, and I'm going to play the clip a little bit, and I'll give you some background for a reference point. I'm sure you've, you've seen it by now. It, it was going viral a few days ago, and there's no shortage of people making fun of her for this. And, you know, for good reason. It's pretty funny to, you know, it, the clip doesn't play well. I know what she's trying to get at, as usual, but it's just, it's just so asinine. And... I want to speak to the larger issue at hand here, and and I want to really dive into the this whole mentality of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and how this is all impossible. Because I, you know, I could easily just play the clip and make fun of her. There's no shortage of that going around the internet today. But I think there's a a far more important message embedded here, and I I want to suss that out, and I really want to. These are very important things that I, I think everybody is going to want to listen, uh, not even want. Uh, this is an episode that everyone that you know is going to need to hear uh, one way or the other. You're, you're going to have to share this with people because this toxic message that, that politicians are, are pushing on today's youth They've already done an incredible job of of brainwashing an entire generation into thinking that everything we have, we owe to government. Everything we've achieved, we didn't really achieve that. We owe it to government. And I just really want to take that on today. It it drives me crazy, this whole notion. And there's just so much there. In one little clip, there's just so much there talk about so hopefully i can get through it all today i have a few other things in my stack here today including that the article i talked about on the last podcast in terms of licensing i don't know if i'm going to be able to get to it given my proclivity to go on rants and tangents and things like that i'm going to try maybe i can work it into the whole episode anyway but I am going to try to just sort of dive right into this because I, I feel like this is going to take me a while. So here we go. Let, let's play the clip. This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our favorite former bartender, doing her best to sound intelligent and explain bootstrapping to the American people. Here we go. Ms. Hutchinson, I also want to thank you about bringing up the poverty draft and this idea of a bootstrap. You know, this idea and this metaphor of a bootstrap started off as a joke because it's a physical impossibility to lift yourself up by a bootstrap, by your shoelaces. It's physically impossible. The whole thing is a joke. I mean, my God, my God, is she dense. 
Yes, uh, it, we, we know you, you can't literally pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Just this, the same way, you know, you're not hungry enough to eat a horse or you, you kill two birds with one stone or any of these other idioms that we use in our everyday lives. It's a metaphor, okay? So the, the clip that she, or the person that she was referring to at the beginning of that clip, thank you for bringing up the poverty line. There was this lady, and I don't, I don't think I'm going to have time to play the clip, so I'm just going to summarize it real quickly. There was a lady testifying in front of Congress about how the way government measures poverty is outdated and it's not capturing the, the true level of poverty in the country and AOC actually kind of misses her point because she's she's going on and on. She's making an emotional. It's a very emotional appeal, and, and there's and she's playing on people's emotions. And and she has kind of a sad story, um, but she's actually really upset about the fact that Congress Congress's uh, or some government office's budget for um, furniture is is more than what they allot for a, pov a family of four in poverty. It's like $40,000 is, is what the, the line is, and they spend like 42000 on furniture or something like that. And how outrageous it is that the government spends more on furniture than they actually um, allocate for a, a family of four to, to be out of poverty or something, something to that effect. And AOC kind of misses that whole point. And then goes on this whole campaign for about bootstrapping and how it's impossible. Oh, it's literally impossible. But her point is that it's impossible in today's society for anybody to be, become successful on their own. And, and this is just such a toxic message of victimhood. And it's coming from a chick who was tending bar just a few years ago, okay? And now she's one of the most successful people in Congress, at least in terms of getting her voice out there and, and popularity and things like I'm going to have to listen to this dim bulb for the rest of my life, rambling on and on about how you can't really wear your heart on your sleeve or you'll die sort of thing. Like, okay, and it's not even like she was a some genius that was a bartender. It's not like she was Matt Damon's character in Goodwill Hunting mopping floors just because she wanted to, right? She's literally one of the dumbest people I've ever encountered. <laughs> okay? And yet here she is, by any measure, an incredible success story. And her message to her constituents, to all of these black and brown, poor minorities and women and everybody that's oppressed in today's society, right, is, oh, this is impossible. The deck is stacked against you. The game is rigged. You can't do this. You can't possibly do it. It's too hard. Don't even bother trying. You can't do it. It's literally impossible. It's impossible to do what I did. So just vote for me, vote for people like me, vote for Bernie Sanders, give us more power and more control over your lives and surrender more of your freedoms to us and we will see to it that you get your stipend from the government. We will make sure that we measure your poverty correctly and compensate you accordingly as long as you vote for us. I mean, listen, I don't have a reputation for being one of these rah-rah sort of guys, you know, a motivational speaker, someone who can pump people up and get them believing in themselves. I mean, in fact, it's, it's basically the opposite. My biggest problem historically has always been that I'm too negative, right? I'm, I'm always focusing on, the, on what's going wrong, on all the obstacles in my way, all the barriers preventing me from uh, achieving something or doing something I want to do. But I would never in a million years dream of spreading as evil and destructive a message as what AOC and these other politicians are peddling. And I'm not being hyperbolic here, okay? AOC may see herself as some compassionate social justice warrior that's fighting to help the poor people and all the downtrodden. But in reality, nothing could be further from the truth. She's creating poor people by infecting their minds with this defeatist attitude. They're, she's killing their dreams, destroying their self-confidence. I would never do that to someone. It's one of the worst things you could do to a person. Infect their mind with this 
poverty mindset. And it's disgusting to me. It's disgusting, just disgusting that people who traffic in this sort of thing are revered in today's society. I mean, people look up to them for destroying the hopes and dreams of millions of others. People, as incredible as it sounds, people look up to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. They look up to these successful politicians. And to have someone like AOC, a 29-year-old woman of color who was tending bar a few short years ago, that is now making hundreds of thousands of dollars, is wildly successful and popular as a politician. To have her out there telling people, oh, it's too hard for you. Sure, I was able to do this, but you can't do this. All you plebs over there, you can't do all this. And here are all the reasons why you can't do it. Here's all the reasons why you can't do exactly what I just did. I, I find it absolutely despicable. She should be ashamed of herself. Out here talking about how it's impossible to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, how it's too difficult and we need government to help everybody because nobody's capable of achieving success on their own. Even if there is some truth to that sort of, some sort of message, even if there is a sliver of truth in there, what good does that do anybody to tell them things like that? What a horrible thing to tell somebody that you supposedly care about. I mean, her message could just as easily be, hey, look at me. I'm a minority. I'm a woman. I grew up poor. I had to bartend to make ends meet. I had all these obstacles to overcome in my life. And look at me. I did it. I did it. This is how I did it. These are the things that helped me do it. And you can do it too. You can do it too. It could just as easily been a positive, uplifting message. You know, we have all this systemic racism and the patriarchy and blah, 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 and I overcame it. And if I can do it, so can you. Wouldn't that be a more productive message to be spreading to your thousands of followers and your million, the millions of Americans that are listening to you right now? And, and it's got to be true. I mean, if AOC can do, can do it, anybody can, a monkey could do it, Okay. But, but you see, that would be too helpful to people, right? That would actually help motivate them to improve their lives on their own instead of standing around waiting for the government to give them stuff. And pretty soon, who knows, maybe they'll all just realize that we don't need government at all. Wouldn't that be a catastrophe? And then where would all these poverty-pushing politicians be then? It's just despicable. And it's disparagement, masquerading as compassion, and it's toxic. It, it, it drives me crazy. And we applaud these people who push this sort of destructive message. And we denigrate people who have become successful in their lives. And it all needs to stop. It has to stop while we still have a country left beneath our feet. This is where the, that whole, you know, you didn't build that mentality comes from that Obama famously said and yeah, uh, some people take it out of context you don't have to take it out of context to criticize it okay you hear this stuff all the time from lefty politicians Elizabeth Warren and just all around unsuccessful people and it's just wrong it's just flat out wrong and it's no surprise that you always hear this sort of crap from people that have never built anything or done anything and politicians whose livelihood whose reason for being depends upon you believing that you aren't worthy or capable of success and people who want to keep you dependent on government services. And if you don't remember Obama's speech where he said you didn't build that or you don't remember Elizabeth Warren saying that you didn't get successful on your own because you had great teachers, it's this idea that nobody becomes successful on their own, that we all owe society, and by society they always mean government, for providing all of the infrastructure and organizing society in such a way that facilitated their successes, right? You had roads and you had bridges and you had educated people to work for you and educated people to buy from you. And that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for government providing education. And you had the rule of law and contract enforcement and all that stuff, right? So nobody really earns 
what they have because, you know, you had great teachers along the way and you had roads and all these other wonderful things provided by government without which you would just be poor and destitute like the rest of the plebs, right? First of all, one of the worst things about that type of the thinking is that it conflates society with government, and they always do this, and it's on purpose. They, they want to tie those two things together, this whole government of the people, by the people, for the people. Uh, society and government are not the same, okay? They are very different in many ways. And if you take nothing away from this show other than that, I would probably be okay with it. But the idea that just because the government has forcibly displaced a voluntary market arrangement with government-provided services that we may not even want, and we have to be thankful for that, and we can't be responsible for our own successes, and in fact, we actually owe everything we have to them because government provided roads and schools and whatever else they want to make, take credit for, even though the free market could provide exactly the same things at, at better quality and lower costs if they weren't making it illegal to compete with them. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. We don't owe more to the government because they took over some function in society that didn't require their intervention in the first place and that they probably fucked up beyond belief in the process. I mean, if anything, the government has done nothing but make it more difficult to succeed in society. All of their services are garbage. The roads are trash. They steal anywhere from, I don't know, 25 to 50% of your income. And then if you manage to save and invest anything from that, they take 20% of those profits. And if you spend any money that, they, that they've allowed you to keep, they take 5 to 10% of that in most states, sometimes even more and hundreds of other little taxes and, and fees and things like that. And then even after you die, they'll take half of whatever is left. Like, like your ex-wife in a divorce. Except, unlike your ex-wife, the government never stops fucking you. Ever. I mean, they'll even go after your kids. They are relentless. And that's not even getting into all the other obstacles that they throw up to make it harder for you to be successful. I've got a story, like I said, in the stack today about occupational licensing laws. You know, you want to try to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, maybe become a hairdresser or something like that, start your own salon. Well, if you want to do that, you, you first have to go to school for two years at, at the cost of about $20,000. And then you get your uh, cosmetology license and pay something like $40 a year to renew that. Otherwise, you know, you might get a bad haircut. God forbid, right? You get a bad uh, haircut, bad makeup job. Where would we be without the cosmetology occupational licensing laws? I mean, I'm not making this stuff up. And that's just one example off the top of my head. There are thousands of rules and regulations. It, there are entire regulatory agencies, permits, land surveys, building codes, compliance costs, labor laws. And they add thousands more of these every year to all sorts of industries. I wonder why we have so many problems with healthcare and access to healthcare. Well, one reason could be um, the fact that it's impossible to start your own hospital. Can you imagine what would be required to start your own hospital? You can't just decide to open a hospital and do it. I, I can only imagine the thousands of pages of compliance crap you'd have to go through. And even then, you still have to get government approval. And I think it can't be too close to any other hospital and all this other stuff. I mean, they've got probably 10 or 15 laws just to become a hairdresser. Imagine what it's like when you're operating on people and trying to save lives. There are millions of examples. I'll never be able to list them all. We'll be here forever. But they all have one thing in common. And that's that they hurt the poorest among us first, and they help established businesses ward off competition. That's why businesses that are already successful don't mind the added compliance costs, and they're always in favor of these added regulations and licensing laws because they already have the infrastructure in place to handle them. It gets to shield them from competition. It, it creates you know, artificial scarcity in markets where there would be a lot more options available to the consumer absent these licensing laws. It drives up prices, and it restricts people's access to goods and services. 
I mean, it literally causes all these things that you hear politicians rant and rave about, about, you know, the, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, uh, nobody can get ahead anymore. And all of these things like licensing laws encourage all of them. It encourages lobbying efforts. It encourages politicians to take bribes. They, they waste the government resources creating and enforcing all these laws. It, it creates special interest groups. It hurts, it, like I said, poor people trying to get low-skilled jobs. The licenses for those cost a lot of money, and it takes time, and you got to pay for education, exams, and fees, and there's fines. If you're in violation, you could lose your license, and then you can't operate. But, but just like everything with, with government um, solutions to problems, it creates the very things that they complain about, o- almost without fail. I mean, speaking of fail, too big to fail, right? Uh, all these big banks, they're too big to fail. Well, why is that? It, like I said, it, it restricts competition. It, you can't start a bank now. The compliance costs are way too high. Listen to some people, e- even in like businesses that you don't think affect the average person or even poor people like a bank or a brokerage firm is a good example listen to them talk about their cost of compliance and how if they were to be as high back when they were starting their company as they are now they would have never been able to go into business in the first place and how does that affect average everyday people that that don't have too much money to invest well added compliance costs force brokerages and institutions like that that manage money or banks or anything like that they have to put in account minimums because they have to make enough money off your account to cover your cost of compliance that's why they won't even talk to you unless you have $25,000 to invest or $50,000 to invest they would gladly all else being equal take a few thousand dollars from people who have you know a, a little bit to invest and, and invest it for them if their compliance costs for having that customer weren't twice what the person was investing. So now, thanks to your good old government, old Joe Sixpack can't invest and grow his wealth the way richer people can. Uh, Okay, you know, thanks. Thanks for your help. I'm sure that's going to work wonders for all this income inequality you won't shut up about. It's just unbelievable that they have the gall to complain about this while they're doing all these things that that cause the exact problems that they complain about all the time. I mean, the amount of red tape and extra costs that government levies on people trying to start a business, it begins at an insane level, and depending on the business, escalates to preposterous levels. If it's impossible to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, it's only because our government is there every step of the way, knocking you back down with some of their ridiculous regulations. They're like the worst silent partner of all time. Every step of the way on your road to success, they've got a hand in your pocket and they're tripping you up. So the idea that people who manage to overcome all of these government obstacles and enjoy a modicum of success now have to stroke an even bigger check to the government is ludicrous. Just ludicrous. I mean, the gall of these bureaucrats after doing everything possible to hinder someone's ability to become successful, to come out and say, well, now that you've successfully navigated our gauntlet of taxes and regulations, we need you to give us even more of your money so that we can pile on even more taxes and more regulations to make it even more difficult for the next generation of people to become successful. It's nothing short of amazing. There is no limit to their chutzpah, as Johnny the Jew might say. I mean, just the taxes alone are by far the biggest burden a person will face in their life. By far the biggest cost of any business or any individual is paying taxes. It's not even close. And how many businesses fail You know, you always hear that stat, three-quarters of businesses fail in the first five years or something like that. Well, how many of them wouldn't have failed if they didn't have to pay so many taxes? Ask yourself that question. And how many jobs do we lose as a result? 
And then to go back to this whole idea of you didn't build that and you have to give back to society now because you're successful, to think that because people utilized these communal resources of society better than others and they found a way of providing so much value to other people that they made millions of dollars in the process, that they somehow owe society more because they were successful. It's like, okay, yes, I did have teachers, and my customers had teachers. So what? First of all, nobody forced them to be teachers. They got paid to teach. That was, a, that was the arrangement. It was a voluntary arrangement. Nobody put a gun to their head. Why do I have to pay more now because I took what they taught me and applied it in a way that made society better off, that made me money? I don't remember anything being written or any teachers explaining to me before they got into their lesson that, you know, hey, if uh, any of you guys actually learn this stuff and go on to use it in your daily lives to make money, well, then you're going to have to pay more back to society. I mean, where did that come from? Uh, this is ridiculous. And it's not like they aren't already paying a shitload of taxes to use all of these wonderful government services already that half of Americans pay nothing to use. They're already paying. If you're in the 1%, most likely hundreds of thousands of dollars to use the same shitty roads as everyone else that pays a fraction of that, if anything. And they pay for government schools, but they wouldn't dare use them. No, no, they, they have to pay twice and send their kids to private schools. So they're paying for stuff that they're not even using. And the fact that the government can't do anything cheaper or better than the free market that's proven out everywhere in society only means that not only are we paying for these government services that we may not use or may not want but that we're overpaying for them if they would just allow people to have the freedom to provide these services to other people everything would be cheaper they're ripping us off we're getting price gouged for these services i mean really if anything rich, successful businessmen and businesswomen, they should have to give less back to society. The way they got rich, as I've pointed out many times on this show before, was by providing something to society that other people valued. Isn't that good enough? Why should they be punished for that? Everyone goes after you, Jeff Bezos because Amazon doesn't pay any taxes. And all I can think about is how that's a good thing. It's less money for these warmongering crooks in Washington to play around with, first of all. But he created a business that's like used by 90% of the population all the time. It, it's changed lives. I order everything from Amazon. I was actually just talking about this with my godmother. It's like, what a time to be alive. I don't have to spend time and resources shopping, driving around at different stores. Maybe there's even some environmental uh, beneficial impact there because I'm not in my car all the time. But the sheer convenience and the amount of my life, my time, which I can never get back because I can just browse a site, click on a thing a few times, and then boom, it's at my door in like two days, tops. It's incredible. Isn't that enough? He's done incredible things to make my life better, to make millions of people's lives more convenient, to increase their, their standards of living. What the hell have you done? Nothing. Nothing other than complain that all these people making our lives exponentially better, significantly raising our standard of living. Oh, they need to do more. Okay, that's your contribution to society. Okay, thanks. This whole idea that rich people need to give back, that they need to give back to society more than the rest of us, as if they've taken something from us in the first place. They haven't. They've done nothing but give us things. They've given us goods and services. They've offered us goods and services that we voluntarily bought. They don't owe society anything. Society owes them. And if you've listened to previous episodes, as I mentioned, you would understand that all of these dollars that rich people have accumulated are the exact measure of what society actually owes them. 
They are nothing more than IOUs from society to provide them with goods and services in the future. Now, that all being said, that does not mean that I don't think rich people have a moral obligation to be charitable, to help those in need. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I think the more successful you are in life, the more obligation you have to help others, to be charitable with what you have. But that's up to you. I'm not going to force you to give to charity. You've earned that money. You own yourself. You own the byproduct of your labor. I'm not going to force you to do anything you don't want to do with it. I will try to persuade you. I will try to persuade you with this podcast. But this idea that paying taxes is charitable, that having the government steal money from you or from other people against your will is being charitable. The idea that advocating other people be stolen from, pay more in taxes on your behalf, somehow makes you charitable is absolutely absurd. That is not being charitable. That is theft, plain and simple. Charity is reaching into your own pocket and giving to other people. Charity is stroking your own check, not co-opting the powers of government to steal from people to support your favorite cause. That's not being charitable. Not only is that theft and immoral, but even if you advocate for policies that would increase your own taxes, you're still wrong. People seem to think that if, as long as it would increase their own taxes, well, then there's nothing wrong with that. They use that as an excuse all the time. Well, hey, I'll, I, I support tax increases even if my own taxes go up. Well, all you're really doing is absolving yourself of the responsibility to be charitable to other people. You get to feel good about yourself score all these cheap virtue signaling points because you tell everyone how you don't mind paying more in taxes as long as it's for a good cause, blah, blah, blah. Oh, what a big man you are. What a big man you are. But you're not actually doing anything, are you? You're just being lazy. You're passing that responsibility off to government because you can't be bothered to take the time and the energy to donate to your cause. So you'll have to forgive me if I don't hold you in such high regard for advocating other people or even yourself pay more in taxes. But anyway, I'm getting a little off topic here. I do have some more from this AOC um, speech in front of Congress or whatever. Unfortunately, I couldn't get the, the actual raw footage. I had to pull something off of YouTube, and it's this Now This video, and it's got this very emotional music playing, and she's making this emotional appeal. But I thought it was pretty interesting. She touched on a few things, and as usual, her conclusion is just completely wrong. But this is the latter part of her whole little spiel after she schooled us on how it's impossible to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. So, so let's go ahead and roll it. And even with that drastically mistaken number, even with that, in, by that calculation, today, 40 million Americans live in what the government recognizes as poverty. That's one in 10. 18.5 million Americans live in recognized extreme poverty. And 5.3 million Americans live in recognized absolute poverty. This legislation um, that I am putting forward along with my colleagues is literally just to recognize poverty in America. That's it. Just directing someone, agencies, to just measure the level of poverty in this country. It doesn't even direct us to expand social program. We're not even there yet. We're just talking about recognizing poverty, and there is resistance to doing that. Why? Why? I believe that we do not want to recognize the level of poverty in this country, because if we did, it would be a national scandal. And we will have to force ourselves to acknowledge that our systems have failed and that we are not doing enough by our own people in a democracy that is supposed to be by the people and for the people to serve the people of the United States of America, and we're not. Okay, 
Well, it should be obvious to anybody with a couple brain cells to rub together that the reason why there is resistance to raising this poverty level is because then you'll have to raise more money for all these government services, allocate more funds for all these welfare handouts and all these programs that are apparently designed to lift people up out of poverty. But it's just been a huge embarrassing failure, like everything else the government has embarked on. I mean, by her own admission, all of these programs have failed everybody. 40 million Americans, 18 in abject poverty, 5 million in blah, 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 blah. She goes on and on and on about how we haven't done enough. We haven't done enough. What planet are you on? Haven't done enough. They declared a war on poverty in 1968. I think it was. Well, I haven't done enough. We spent $25 trillion in the last 50 years fighting this war on poverty, and you've got nothing to show for it. Nothing to show for it, but even more people in poverty. You've managed to trap more people than, than were in poverty before. So there are actually more poor people now than we thought, and we just need to adjust the way we define poverty? I mean, that'll solve it, right? That'll fix everything. Then what? Then what? Adjust the poverty line so people can get more of the same failed government programs that haven't had any meaningful effect on poverty whatsoever? By your own standards? I mean, how much longer are we going to continue to do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? That's the definition of insanity. So why would we keep doing this? Why would we give you more money? Why would we do more of what hasn't worked? Maybe that's why everyone is resisting you raising the poverty level to encapsulate more people in this government trap. Maybe they just see through that bullshit. How about that? I mean, she even admitted that this is just the, uh, the first step toward getting more funds. She even used the word yet. We're not even there yet. We're just trying to get them to recognize it. That's all. Well, here's the thing. As soon as you recognize it, you, you all of a sudden have to allocate more things towards it, right? It encapsulates more people. Now more people are eligible for all these benefits. And now we get to trap even more people in abject poverty. That's why they don't want to recognize it, okay? You're asking the wrong question. Yes, let's go beyond recognizing it. Let's go beyond recognizing poverty and start trying to figure out what's causing all this poverty. How about that? I mean, what kind of plan is this? Why are we focusing on measuring poverty instead of focusing on what's causing it? It really is just unbelievable. The, the government, the, only with government can you spend $20 trillion on something, $25 trillion, whatever it was, a ton amount of money, an obscene amount of money by any standards on, on solving a problem, fail miserably by every single measure by your own standards, by any other metric. You fail miserably. You have horrible results. In fact, you created more poor people than when you started with. <laughs> Spent trillions of dollars, made the problem worse, and just d d decide that, oh, well, we need more money. And this is their pitch. This is their pitch for everything. Every time they screw something up, it's just, oh, we need more money. It wasn't the, the plan itself was terrible. We don't understand this problem or how to solve it. It's just that we just need more money. And what happened to this whole war on poverty thing? I mean, we declared the war. What went wrong? AOC's government has been fighting poverty for the last 60 years, okay? They spent tens of trillions of dollars on it. More money than they would have ever imagined when they first rolled this out. If you went to Lyndon Johnson and he said he was going to eliminate poverty, I said, sounds great. I'm sure you have a heck of a plan. How much do you need? You think in his wildest dreams he would have gotten to spend over $20 trillion on this problem in 50 years? Of course, he'd probably only want a fraction of that to solve this problem, and yet here we are. We spent more money than anybody could have ever imagined on this problem, than the socialist, the, the democratic socialist would have ever imagined needing to, to try to solve this problem, and we've got bupkis. Bupkis. You had nothing to show for it. In fact, the problem is even worse than it was before. And just like literally every other situation, the problem of poverty was being solved by the free market. Okay, When the government formally declared their war on poverty under Lyndon Johnson, 
the poverty rate was already dramatically coming down. I mean, just go ahead and pull up a quick chart of this on Google. You just Google poverty uh, rate over time or whatever, poverty rate chart. It looks like a water slide in an amusement park, okay? And I'm not exaggerating. It was at about 30% in 1950, and it fell all the way down to 12 13% before the government decided to make this concerted effort to, and remember what he said, remember what Lyndon Johnson said, not only relieve the symptom of poverty, but to cure it and, above all, prevent it. Okay, that, that's a direct quote. That, that's his stated goal. This is what's going to happen. We're going to declare this war, and we're going to do these things. And where are we 50-plus years later? Tens of trillions of dollars, hundreds of government programs and initiatives, thousands of pages of legislation dedicated to solving this problem of poverty. You guessed it. Exactly where we were when we started, at about 13% poverty. And if you want to take AOC's statistics at face value, which you know I haven't had time to dig into them, uh, where where she came up with any of these numbers, but if it's anything like that bullshit study they did on childhood hunger, uh, you should be very suspect of her numbers. But let's go ahead and give her the benefit of the doubt. Uh, okay, so poverty is actually worse than than what is being reported. So you're actually worse off than when you started this whole initiative. That's her story. Uh, okay, so how they doing so far with with this whole eliminating poverty thing? The free market was doing an incredible job uh, pulling people out of poverty, out of abject poverty, all on its own. Look at the chart. It was going down drastically. The government steps in to help, pulls tens of trillions of dollars out of the productive sectors of society and squanders it uh, on their way, uh, on their war on poverty. And best case scenario, we're as worse off as we were back then. They took that trend stopped it in its tracks, and leveled off for the next 40, 50 years. Worst case scenario, the, the numbers are even worse than they're indicating because we need to update the way we define poverty. Uh, oh, okay, uh, I'll ask again. How are they doing so far? Why are we continuing to do this? Why would we give government more of your money? If $25 trillion got us nowhere, What's another couple hundred billion going to do? What can you do with another couple hundred billion that you were unable to do with 25 trillion? Why waste it on more failed government policies? Why not leave it in the hands of everyday Americans that were already pulling themselves and others out of poverty by creating businesses and products and services to help each other out? The markets were already solving this problem. They got it all the way down from 30% to 12% in a matter of decades. And if you had just let that trend continue and not screwed everything up, who knows where we would be today? We could be living like the Jetsons. All of us, even the poorest among us, would have uh, flying cars and, and robot maids. But no, no, you had to step in and help. You had to create Lyndon Johnson's Great Society and the War on Poverty. You just got involved and gummed up all the works, screwed everything up. And now you want us to give you more. And now we need to raise the, the level so we can get more people involved in this disaster. Look, you don't pull people out of poverty with government programs. That should be obvious by now. You have the results in front of you. It, it was a complete disaster. You don't pull people out of poverty with welfare benefits. You trap them in poverty. You trap them physically, and more importantly, you trap them mentally. You foster a poverty mindset, which is the most toxic thing in the world. And what I started talking about at the top of the show, it's despicable. It's evil to do this to people. That's the true tragedy in all of this. Forget about the money, okay? You can always make more money. And not as fast as the government spends it, but I guess that's the topic of another show. But forget about all the numbers for a second and think of all the people that are trapped in a poverty mindset thanks to all of these poverty pimps in Washington. All these people that are afraid to take a new job 
afraid to move out of that Section 8 housing, afraid to take a chance on themselves and believe in themselves because they'll lose their welfare benefits. All the people that have been taught by the likes of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez that they aren't good enough to get ahead, that they can't do it, that it's too hard. I mean, what's the plan here? Are we to believe that the government will be the ones to pull us up by our bootstraps because it's impossible for any one person to do it, so we must rely on the government? I, I'll ask again how they doing so far. I should write a book. <laughs> uh, maybe I will write a book. How they doing so far? A complete rebuke on the United States government. <laughs> That's a working title. Um, anyway. Is that what we're to believe now? That it's impossible for any individual to do this and we have to rely on government even though they've been working on this for almost 60 years and they've gotten nowhere? Meanwhile, every day in this country, 1,700 people are becoming millionaires. That's new money millionaires every day just in America. Now think about that. Think about that. It's not inheritance. They aren't inheriting millions of dollars from their rich mommy and daddy. They aren't getting a small loan of a million dollars. They're doing it themselves. They're using the same roads that you and I use every day after graduating from the same government schools that you and I went to. Whether you are where you want to be in your life or you're not quite where you want to be, you need to take responsibility for your situation, okay? It's your fault. Don't blame other people or your age or your sex or racism or systemic this and institutionalized that or any of the other isms that these pandering politicians want you to focus on, okay? Blame yourself. It's your fault, okay? If I'm not where I want to be, it's my fault. You are the culmination of all the decisions you've made in your life. We are all self-made men and women. It's just that only the successful ones ever want to admit it. Your life is your fault. My life is my fault. The sooner you take responsibility for your situation, the sooner you stop looking to government bureaucrats to help you out, the sooner you can take the first step toward becoming one of those 1,700 new money millionaires. And I realize that can be a tough thing to hear. A lot of people think that that's a negative message, and I'm sure I'll take a lot of heat for this, and I'm sure there are people out there right now just waiting for me to stop talking so they can come in with all their yeah buts, yeah but this, and all their excuses, all these excuses that they have for why they are where they are in life. But I find it empowering. Because if you're responsible for your failures, guess what? You're also responsible for your successes. And when you overcome whatever obstacles you've been hemming and hawing about over all these years and you finally go for it and you reach your goal, you can look in the mirror and think to yourself, yeah, I did that. Me. I overcame those problems. I proved AOC wrong. That was all me, and if I can do it, so can you. Failure shouldn't even be in your vocabulary because if something doesn't work, you run into problems or things aren't working out the way you want it exactly, okay, now you've learned one more way of not accomplishing that task. So get back on that horse. Get up, dust yourself off, and figure out a way to make it work. Try something else until you get it right. <laughs> I feel like uh, Jacko Willink. Good. Get up. Dust off. Reload. Recalibrate. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know who Jacko Willink is, he's got a podcast. I don't listen to a lot of it, but I did hear that good clip that he goes on. It, it's very uh, inspiring. Anytime you need some motivation, anytime you're feeling down on yourself, just go to YouTube and, and type in Jocko Willink, good, and uh, that, that'll pump you right up. But it's just like Thomas Edison said when, when he was asked about all the attempts that it took him when he was in, trying to invent the light bulb. 
And some reporter asked, well, how's it feel to fail like a thousand times? And he goes, I didn't fail. I, I just found a thousand different ways to not make a light bulb. <laughs> okay. So you haven't failed until you've given up. You have to change your mindset. This poverty mindset that the AOCs of the world are pushing on us, that's what leads to failure. That's what destroys the fight that each of us has inside. That's what convinces us that we should just fold up shop, call it a quits. It's a defeatist mindset. There have been millionaires that started out penniless that made millions of dollars. There have been millionaires who lost it all and had to start all over again and become millionaires multiple times over. Sure, you know, they could have sat around and self-pity, bemoaning the fact that they lost millions of dollars or blamed others for all their failures and wallowed around being broke for the rest of their lives, looking to the government for their weekly or monthly stipend. But see, they don't have that poverty mindset. Being broke for them is temporary. It's a temporary situation that people find themselves in from time to time. Being poor is a state of mind. And you may find yourself temporarily broke in your life. I may find myself broke at some point. But as long as you don't let these poverty pimps infect your mind with this poverty mindset, you don't have to be poor. And you can come back from being broke. But once your mind is infected with the disease of poverty, that's what's going to trap you in a cycle of dependence on the government. And there's no doubt in my mind that that is what the AOCs of the world want for you. Don't let them do that to you. Don't let some politician tell you what you can and can't do with your life. Don't sell yourself short. They're not doing you any favors by keeping you dependent on other people for your survival. And it may seem that, w that way on the surface. It may look like they're trying to help you. They will try and tell you that that's exactly what they're doing. That by increasing the poverty level or increasing your monthly stipend, they're somehow helping you. But all that does is further solidify your position of dependence, of weakness. And please, for the love of God, do not confuse them disparaging you for some uplifting message. They aren't trying to lift you up. They're trying to keep you down. They pity you. Okay? They don't think you're capable of achieving. They don't think you can do what oftentimes they themselves have done. That's what AOC is really saying. You see, I did it. I have become successful. But you, no, no, you can't do that. You're not capable of these things that I am. You're poor. You're a woman. You're a minority. The deck is stacked against you. The implication is that they're better than you. That you can't do anything without the help of the government. And it disgusts me to hear them talk like this. And we're seeing the effects of it on society right now. You hear people all the time, particularly when you're making libertarian arguments, you get this a lot because you're making an argument for removing some government-provided service, whatever it is. Some people will always respond, almost inevitably, oh, well, you know, I, I would have never been able to afford my house without this government subsidy, or I would have never been able to go to college without this government program. It saddens me to hear that. It saddens me to hear people say stuff like that, that your leaders... These politicians that supposedly work for us, right? That was the whole democracy thing that she was talking about. That they've convinced entire generations of people that they can't achieve anything on their own. That they are incapable and dependent. That the only way we can be successful is with the government's helping hand. That is just so sad. It's so sad. I can't imagine a worse message to send to people. And I know I bring this up seemingly on every show, but it's just like every other instance with good old Harry Brown. The government breaks your legs, 
hands you a crutch and then convinces you that if it weren't for the government, you wouldn't be able to walk. When in reality, they are the ones crippling you, physically and mentally. And if it weren't for them, you'd have two perfectly good legs. You wouldn't just be hobbling around. You'd be sprinting and you'd be jumping and you'd be achieving more than you ever thought possible. You see, the government has taken over so many aspects of our lives and they've forced their way into providing things for us for so long. We've not only forgotten that we can provide them for ourselves, but we can't even imagine a world where it's even possible that those things could be provided by somebody other than government. That saddens me too, and it frustrates the life out of me and most other libertarians. Who will build the roads and who will educate the kids? Who will take care of the sick and the poor and the elderly? We will. The same people who are doing it right now. Government doesn't provide anything. We do. People do. We build that. You built that. And we can and we will if the government gets out of the way and allows people to prosper and stops poisoning their minds with these lies that everything you have is because of government and you couldn't possibly achieve that on your own. You're not capable. That's all bullshit. That's more bullshit from government. Everything they say is a lie. Why listen to that? Of all the things you're going to believe from your government, you're going to believe that, that you can't do it, that you didn't build that, I mean, are they right? Is it the first time in the history of government that they're right about something? Are they right about you? Are you less capable than your wise overlords in Washington? Are you destined for a life of dependence? You want to just tuck tail, surrender, and spend the rest of your life having to beg the government for everything that you want? Because that's what we do right now. Make no mistake about it, that's what we do. We surrender our rights and our responsibilities over to the government for a false sense of security. And then when there is something out there that we want, like health care, education, housing, then we have to go hat in hand and beg for our government to provide it for us. I don't know about you, but I don't want to beg for the things that I want out of life. I'm not going to do that. That's not me. I don't care how stacked that deck is against me. I'm going to figure out the things that I want, and I'm going to go get them. So I'm going to take responsibility for my life and the lives of the people that I care about, and I'm going to go do whatever is necessary to get them. If you want to spend the rest of your time on Earth begging the government for the crumbs and the scraps of what's left from the things that they've stolen from the other successful people in society, that's on you. If you want to take the path of least resistance and buy into this whole idea that the reason you're not as successful as you'd like to be is somebody else's fault, if you want to tell yourself that and make excuses for your shortcomings because it's easier than taking personal responsibility, that's on you too. It certainly would be easier. It's always easier to blame others for our problems. And if that's the way you want to go through life, I certainly can't stop you. But I refuse to make excuses for you. Just as I refuse to make excuses for myself, I don't think that little of you. I would never do something so destructive to you as to make you think that you're not capable of accomplishing what you want in life. I think you're better than that. But it doesn't matter what I think, does it? It doesn't matter what AOC thinks either, if you can call what she does actual thinking. It matters what you think. And like Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. So get your mind right, get out of that poverty mindset, and start thinking about all the ways that you can overcome the obstacles in your way instead of focusing on all the problems you currently face. Because one thing is for sure, if you're going to depend on the government to pull you out of poverty, or you're going to wait 
for the government to provide you with something that you want out of life. You're going to be depending and you're going to be waiting forever. Guys, if you like the show today, do me a favor. Make sure you download and subscribe and share the show. I know you know somebody who needs to hear this episode. Share the show with them. Give me a rating and review on iTunes. Five stars if you think the show is worth it. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. You can become a supporting listener of the show by going to pedalingfictionpodcast.com. And if you can do all that, I will be back in a couple days to do this all over again. Until then, just remember that it's your fault and keep on pedaling. Pedaling.